This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. We have a very special guest who joined us in studio for this episode. But before I introduce him, I need to give you a little backstory. And Jesse's going to help me. We're going to have a conversation about the discipleship program at our church because the special guest is none other than our pastor, Eric Hoffman, who is the person who actually developed and started the discipleship program. If you're new around here, you might not have ever heard us talk about the discipleship program. But if you follow me on Instagram, if you follow me on my blog, if you are subscribed to my email newsletter, you have probably heard me talk about this discipleship program many, many times because it is something that Jesse and I are very involved in at our church, and it is something that has impacted and changed our life at such a deep level. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Jesse, you were the one who first went through the discipleship program. Yeah, it was back in 2014 after we moved here. It was like shortly after Mm -hmm. is when they opened it up for, for men to join up. They were just looking for some men to join up in this program. That was getting launched, and I thought what a great way to just meet other men and get involved than to be in this discipleship program. So I and just, just to clarify, in. Eric talks about in his episode because we've already pre-recorded it, but he talks about how he started with a really small group of men, and when you joined, right. it was the first time that they had actually launched it to the church at large, like they right. publicly it launched it. Was the it. next year, right? I think it was actually more that I think they'd done it to a small, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not sure. I just didn't want people to be confused because I think he said seven years. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, yeah. I mean, that would probably be right because I think that he might have done it 
to a couple of different small mm-hmm. groups before ours. Because the guy that led our small or micro group at the time had gone through the program the year or year or two years before. So to so talk about what that was like for you. Honestly, it was so groundbreaking for me. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about grace. We talked about what grace means. You know, that was real the real eye-opening piece for me was that and being accepted and loved and wanted and not having to do more to accept God's favor. You know, growing up we grace was, you know, central and what we were when we grew up and God's riches at Christ's expense, but it's so much deeper than that. And just to know what that fullness of the definition was, it was eye-opening. And honestly, one thing that we went through was identity and what was your identity in? And honestly, in going through the process of moving and closing my practice, I realized my identity was in my work and I struggled through that. And uh, the discipleship really brought that out and kind of helped walk me through the process of realizing that and then trying to break myself of that. I was just remembering back to the, I think the first six months after we moved was kind of a low point for you because for the first time you didn't have, okay, I'm, you know, finishing school. Okay. I'm getting this degree. Okay. I'm getting my, I always had the next thing I was doing. And then it was your work and you had so much on your plate with your different jobs. And yes, you did have that period of unemployment, which was a really low point for you. But again, you were looking to, I'm going to get another job, but this was the first time for you where you didn't have that next next thing that you were kind of going to bank your identity in. And I remember sitting with you on the couch and asking you, you know, like, who are you without that? Who are you without your work? Because your worth was in your work. Mm -hmm. Um, What you did was who you thought of yourself as. Right. It defined me. And I remember asking you, what are your gifts and your talents? Mm -hmm. And you didn't know. You could I didn't think I had any. Yeah. And for me, it was kind of devastating as a wife to think here, Mm -hmm. my wonderful husband, who I love so much, even though sometimes you've annoyed me like crazy and we (laughs) sparred and all that, like we've talked about on um, recent episodes, but I saw you as this really incredible person who brought so much to the table in my life and our kids' lives and Mm -hmm. who had so much to offer the world. And you didn't see any of that. Right. Because I was wrapped up in my fake identity, Mm -hmm. false identity. And I think that I've seen discipleship, this discipleship program, really unearth who you are and how God has wired you and help you kind of heal from some past wounds Mm -hmm. and some misconstrued ideas of who God is and what he thinks of you right? so that you can get to the place where your your identity is in Christ. Yep. And I think you have so much confidence that oozes out of you as a result of that. I definitely. And it was interesting because as a part of our discipleship program, we have two retreats, one in the fall, one in the spring and and honestly, I didn't realize that I was still kind of struggling with some of that uh, false identity still even two, two and a half years later. And 
until God opened my eyes to that during our retreat and working through that and walking through that with the guys in my group this year. It was really amazing. There was such a weight off of my shoulders after that retreat to have my eyes open to that, to own that, and then to realize that that's a mask that I need to remove. And for me, I started discipleship the year after you, because you had gone through it. And I was pretty reluctant to Mm -hmm. go through. I just was like, it's one more thing. And I saw how much time and effort it took for you. And I I just was like, I don't feel like I want to commit to this. Mm -hmm. But God prompted two different women to approach me separately and say, Crystal, I really feel like you need to sign up. And I just felt like, okay, I'm going to sign up in obedience with reluctancy. And that first year was very hard for me because Mm -hmm. it was that peeling back of all these layers of false self and Mm -hmm. all these wounds and all this unhealthiness. And it was icky and yuck. And I remember that I just didn't want to have to deal with any more yuck. Mm-hmm. And as Eric talks, we'll talk about in this interview, exposure is an act of grace. And there was so much exposure that was going on that sometimes it just felt emotionally exhausting. There's like me. one more layer, one more layer like, that keeps up to come <laughs> off. How much <laughs> grossness am I going to find in my heart? And by that, I just mean like this unhealthiness where my identity was wrapped up in something that was so off base, Mm -hmm. where I had these idols of my heart that I was seeking approval from other people in really messed up ways, Mm -hmm. and where so much of my stress and my anxiety was wrapped up in wanting people to like me, Mm -hmm. and instead of understanding who I was in Christ and how much He loved me and And how much He confident that He wanted me to just rest in that. But I was over here, tr- you know, trying so hard to perform, mm-hmm. and it was exhausting. Yeah, and and you couldn't abide. Yeah, I couldn't just be because I thought I had to do. Mm-hmm. Since the first year of discipleship group, Jesse and I have both had the opportunity to lead small groups through this material as part of our church's discipleship program. And I feel like getting to lead others through the material that has impacted our lives so profoundly has been this amazing experience to get to see the light bulbs go off in their heads and to get to see God unearth things in their hearts and to see them also get to walk in this freedom. Because truly, When you know the truth, the truth sets you free. I'm so excited today to have my pastor, Eric Hoffman, joining us. It's the first time that I've had a guy in studio, and we are going to be talking about something that I am very passionate about. Because many of you who follow me online, follow me on Instagram, follow me on my blog, or have listened to the podcast have heard me talk about this thing called the Discipleship Program. And Eric is actually the one who started this in our church. He's a husband, a father of three boys, and he is the executive pastor of our church. And I am so thrilled that he's going to come on today and just share more about this program, how it has changed his life to understand wholehearted living, what it means to really live out of your whole heart. And also, Eric gives me a lot of hope as an eight because he's also an Enneagram eight and he is such a compassionate, other-centered person. And I want to be like him when I grow up as another Enneagram eight. 
But I've heard from people, we've only known him for five years because we moved here um, five years ago and started going to um, Fellowship Bible Church. And that's when I first met him. But I've heard that at one point you weren't always as compassionate and other-centered. Is is that an accurate statement, Eric? The rumors are true. <laughs> the rumors are true. And so take us back to to where you were and what caused this change in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in a small town in Michigan that had a blinking yellow light and two big religious institutions. So one was a Christian university and then one was a, a church and it was a dry town. So it was, it was very Mayberry-esque uh, of a town, great place to grow up. But I didn't realize kind of in the water of that town was really a lot of like performance put on a mask, mm-hmm. like look the part kind of a thing. And I decided and chose very early on to to play into that. Really, my identity was worth value identity was really tied to what I accomplished, my performance. And as a, as a fellow eight, I believed the lie. I couldn't rely on others. I couldn't trust others. And it really was up to me to get things done. Mm. And so fast forward, um, that really breeds a lot of insecurity. And then fast forward to marriage. You think about marriage and marriage is such a mirror to exposing who we are. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the lie I was believing about not needing others, not um, relying on others, that is not a healthy equation for a good marriage. (laughs) So. So my wife, who is is very healthy, she's an Enneagram nine, but with an eight wing. So she's she challenges me. Um, she and I just started having just like we're just stuck in ruts. Like we we just kept coming back to the same patterns, and and I we didn't know how to get out of it. I was I was pretty detached from my heart emotionally, uh, connecting with her. She wanted more connection. I I actually desired that too, but I didn't know how. And how many years ago was this that you kind of realized we're stuck in this rut? Yeah, it'd be about eight years ago now. And um, you were were you pastoring at this time? Yeah, I was a pastor. Yeah, and, and you know, and at that time when you know we were talking about in the beginning of the rumors are true. I mean, you think about like how I how I was living, you know, based on on my performance and and trying to really like getting stuff done was was what I was known for. And so you think about anyone who critiqued my work. That led to anger, bitterness. Mm. I was very transactional with other people. I treated people as a task to get things done. And that that really, I mean, I trampled over people. I, you know, I manipulated, used, you know, I, I wouldn't have seen it that clearly as I do now. But so Melissa and I, you know, growing up in the town that I did too, like counseling was something that like is a no-no. Like you don't go to counseling unless like, you're really screwed up and everyone knows it and you're already in crisis. It's already visible, you know, all those things. And so as, a, as an eight, you know, vulnerability is, is something that you just, that just feels like giving up your identity mm-hmm. to be vulnerable, admit you're, you're in need and you're weak and you couldn't do it on your own. But by God's grace, honestly, um, we had the opportunity to go to intensive counseling in Colorado with a guy who was very skilled at working with leaders and the heart of a leader. And Melissa got to come with me. And I just remember him walking me through family of origin and walking through um, my performance-based life. And I wasn't just 
transactional with my wife. I was transactional with other people, but I was transactional with God. Mm. And I remember I was sitting in a coffee shop one day. This was before I went to counseling. And, um, and a good friend of mine just asked me, he says, you know, Eric, do you believe God delights in you? And I don't know where your listeners are at, but like, I'm a pastor, you know, so I have like a theological answer, you know, mm. of like, well, here's, here's all these reasons why I can say yes. But, but my honest answer, Crystal, in that moment was depends on the day, mm. depends on what I did or didn't do. And so that insecurity with God, like bled over to everything else. And, and I just remember just feeling like this, there's something more, like there's something I'm not accessing the way I was designed to live, this is not good news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is not the the way I want to live. And so we went to counseling and it was it was life changing. It turned my world upside down and and it was it was what I would call the good hard work. You know, it's I think it's why people don't do it. It's it's hard to be exposed is not a great thing. Like no one's like, Oh, I really want to be exposed. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like no one says that, but man, I just see exposure as an act of grace. Mm -hmm. And it showed, it showed places of where we were living sideways and disintegrated and, and broken. And that just changed our whole lives. Mm. That's how it all started. And so you have this kind of experience where you go and you are all this is exposed and you realize where you're not living out fully what God's called you to, how God's called you to live. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's easy. We go and we have those experiences, but then we kind of, we have to come back home and then it's real life. And so how did you make that transition and say, okay, I, I don't want to keep living in this rut, I had this experience, but now I, I want to live out of the truths of what I learned from that. Yeah. Um, I, I was able to keep going to counseling and keep working on those things, but I started reading, um, some different books and, and, and Melissa and I, you know, I really, one of the biggest things was, is my kids started to teach me what grace meant Mm. and what, what love of God meant. And I remember rocking my kids to sleep at that time and they would just be, you know, falling asleep on my chest and, allowing that to like, they're not doing anything. Mm. And yet I love them. They're resting. And I started to use that as a time with God of just like, God, you need to speak to these wounds in my heart. You need to break down these walls of resistance. It's a work that only you can do. Like I can't repair my heart on my own. There's no amount of counseling that could do that. Like you, you have to be the one to do that. And so I would read books. Honestly, you know, Tim Keller uh, is is one of my favorite. Um, he has a book called Galatians for You, uh, Prodigal God, Counter- Counterfeit Gods. And, and honestly, he made it so tangible to how the good news of Jesus actually would affect every part of my life and what that looked like. And, and through just conversations with Melissa, time, uh, like God began to heal things in, in me. And at that point, I, I was just like, I'm not the only person out here mm-hmm. that this is true of, and I have to steward this into others. And so I was having a conversation with many guys at this point, and they're talking about their marriages and they're talking about it being transactional. And I'm talking, you know, about what I'm learning. And 
And so what I realized is like, I can't get these guys to read these 20 books that are awesome. Um, but I can distill down these gold nuggets out of these books. And what I realized is that most authors have a gold nugget in their book and then they write 200 pages around it, <laughs> you know? So I got really good at just like understanding what's a core principle that we need to interact with around this. And I just invited 12 guys to journey with me. And I, this is, this, you know, this is seven years ago. And I said, you know, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm just going to ask you to show up and be honest, to just be real. And we're, we're going to walk this journey together. And we just started to see people's lives just be transformed as they experienced radical grace for the first time in relationship where there wasn't any mask on, they were taking those off and they were met with other people that loved them where they were, but they were met with a God who sees them, knows them and cares about them and that weeps with them mm. in their, in their hurts, but then also gives them great hope. So that's where it started. And then it's multiplied into, tell us about where it is today. Yeah. Well, I never thought like, if you would have told me where it is today, I, I never would have thought that, you know, we'd be where we are, but I, I thought we were going to have to rewrite the, the curriculum when we, about four years ago, moved it to the women's side when mm -hmm. you went through it. And what we noticed is that humans are humans are humans. And, mm -hmm. and so like the struggles really weren't different from men to women. They just kind of manifested different. And so when we started walking through things, we changed a few things, but not much. And so our church, what we've really been discovering is the way that God wired people and in the, our hearts are really designed around um, these components. Like when God created humans, he created us with a whole heart. Mm -hmm. But because of our choices and because of the things that we're looking for life apart from him in our own selves, that's what I was doing, or in other people or in things. Like that's very common for us to look for life and find our value and identity and worth in other things or what people think of us or the work that we do. Uh, and so what we, what we've been doing as a church is, is really calling people to what God has called us to do is live from our whole hearts. And that's our thoughts. That's our emotions. That's our desires. And that's our choices. That's the whole heart. And so we, just simply four questions of what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are your deep desires? And what are the choices? So we just have kind of helped people navigate their their hearts. And when when Jesus is at the center of our hearts, it actually leads to a renewed mind in our thought life. It leads to healthy relationships from our emotional life. And it leads to a satisfied soul from our desires. And then an active faith. Like we express that to in in all of life. We see that coming out. So we're we're seeing this being put back together the way that it was supposed to be and people being restored and renewed and uh, working through pain with other people and working through those things. And they're finding freedom. They're experiencing transformation. That's not just behavior modification. It's not just managing a, a, a symptom of their life. It's getting down to the root causes of some things that they were placing their identity in that was never meant to hold their identity. Um, and so we, we call we, we start walking through that whole process and we're, we're seeing the whole heart being restored in people. And it's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable work that we get to be a part of. And it's truly changing lives in mm -hmm. really powerful ways. Um, as someone who has gotten to be a table leader the last two years, not only 
has it changed my life so much? And people online are always saying to me, what has changed in you? You're a different person. Mm. And they've really seen this in me. But then to get to disciple others and share this with others, it is powerful stuff. So I know there are people listening who are saying, you know, I'm I'm stuck in a rut. I'm not living from my whole heart. I'm not satisfied and happy with where I am in my life. What advice do you have for them? What are kind of some first steps that they can take to get below the line as we talk about? So we're not just sticking with the surface stuff, but really, you know, getting into that heart the, the good hard work, as you call it. Well, I, I love that you said below the line, because if you think about the heart in that way, the thoughts and choices are above the line. Below the line is the emotions and desires. So when we, when we think about like, I was really good at reading a book or thinking about an idea mm-hmm. and then going after it. But what failed in my marriage was I was reading a book and it was like this 40 days to like restore your marriage, you know, or, you know, the, you know, those type mm-hmm. of books, like self-help books, which I, I was great at, you know, like just willpower, pull myself mm-hmm. up by my bootstraps, those type of things. What I realized though, was about five days into this like challenge, you know, you weren't supposed to tell your spouse that you were doing all these great mm-hmm. things for them. And I'd like emptied the dishwasher or something like that. And most of didn't notice. And I just remember being so angry mm-hmm. <laughs> at her and, what it did is exposed. Like that's the way that I was living life of like, know what I'm supposed to do and then go after it. Mm -hmm. And when I was doing it, I was was very prideful. It was like, I'm crushing this. But then when I knew what I was supposed to do and I didn't do it, I felt the shame. Like Mm. I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, you know, that type of deal. And I would just try harder. It's because I wasn't doing this enough or because I wasn't reading this or wasn't. And it was just also centered on my actions the thing that I would say when, if you, if you feel yourself stuck in a rut, like you feel yourself hitting a wall. Like I know, I knew there was more mm-hmm. in my marriage. I knew like when Melissa wanted relational connection, I felt myself detach and get mm-hmm. cold. Like I knew there was a problem. I would say the first thing is to be honest. That's the hardest thing to come awake to that in your life of just being honest. Like what I'm doing is not working. Mm. I need, I need help. I need to allow others in like how many others know about this or, you know, that, that's very scary. Like it can go in there. But then when I, what I realized was, which is so interesting because as a person of faith who believes there's a God who created everything, there's a God who loves us and sees us and knows us. He not only knows my thoughts, he not only knows what I'm feeling, he, he knows internally what's going on in me. I was hiding, trying to hide from a God who sees everything. Mm. If you think about that, how foolish is that? Mm. But it's just reality. I was trying to hide. And if I could go back into the Bible in the first part of the story in Genesis, it, it talks about Adam and Eve when they rebelled against God and chose to find life out outside of his provision. What did they do? They hid. And I think that's in our nature is to hide not not just from others, not just from God, but from ourselves. And we can put on masks and we can hide in all sorts of different ways. And so the, the, the first thing like that I came to grips with is there is a God who I can be honest with because he already knows. Mm. And honestly, that truth has, 
I repeat that to myself all the time. Like God already knows, like, why would I, in prayer, how many times was I just saying like this, this prayer that didn't have any depth or meaning or those type of things or just saying something. But in reality it's like, now I'm honest with God of what I'm feeling of my desires and my thoughts and God, would you replace these lies with truth? Would you help me navigate my my emotions? Like emotions aren't right or wrong. Like, would you just help me? I'm, I'm, I'm able to express those. You see that in the Psalms of these beautiful prayers, but they're raw and honest. And so I remember very early on praying the Psalms because they gave me a language to express to God of anger and disappointment and brokenness that I didn't have a language with God yet. And I didn't have an emotional language. And so I, uh, there's a book called Voices of the Heart by Chip Dodd that was incredible at just giving me emotional language of like, what does that mean? I had like two emotions I was aware of, <laughs> you know, and and so there was that. And and then the Enneagram has been super helpful and just awareness of, of some things that might be some motivations or drives in me of self-protection. And so just being really honest with that and being aware of that has just been, but bringing that to God, not hiding it, mm-hmm. bringing that to God, bringing my whole heart, living from my whole heart. Um, Melissa and I are reading through the Bible this year. And what's so interesting is how many times in the Old Testament it says, and they failed to live from their whole heart mm. or they didn't obey from their whole heart or they made this choice from their heart. And so Jesus talks about this all the time of what is truly needs to change in a person is not their behaviors. It's actually the internal life. And once that changes, their external life changes. Yeah. And I would say that that's so much what I've seen in my own life, because mm-hmm. by understanding these wounds and family of origin and understanding where I'm living out of my false self and not even recognizing that. I know when I went to discipleship retreat this year, it was the first time when we wrote down false self, true self, that I was actually able to identify, this is my false self, this is my true self. And it was really beautiful for me to be to realize that three years of doing this good hard work, I actually now know instinctively, oh, that's my false self. I'm putting on a mask. I'm trying to perform instead of resting in hmm. the finished work of Christ on the cross for me that I can rest in that. And then I can be true to what I'm feeling and that emotions are not bad. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a huge thing that's for me. It's a big thing for an eight. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> understand to understand yeah. that emotions are not bad, but, mm-hmm. and to be honest enough with myself to acknowledge what I'm feeling, mm-hmm. but then to be in safe spaces to be able to acknowledge that to others as well. And I think that's really what the power of this discipleship program has been. It's not just understanding these things, but walking closely with other people and that honesty and that safety. It's just been a really beautiful thing mm-hmm. that our church is, is seeing God work and the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives and transforming them from the inside out. They're not just putting on you know, this, oh, I look better, try harder, do better, be more, yeah. but really exposing the icky stuff and being honest about it and then working to heal. And so I know there's a lot of people listening, a lot of people who follow me online that are like, when is this going to be available to the public? Cause we don't live in your area. We can't come to your yeah. church to sign up for this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're talking, we're talking about that right now. And we're, um, we're hoping in the next couple of years to be able to start getting that out there. We've done a lot of re re edits and revisions to that. And so 
we understand, I think more than ever, I'm understanding that this isn't just, uh, wasn't just a, my problem or this area's problem. This mm-hmm. is, this is something that, uh, other people want and in need. And so we're, uh, we're taking that very seriously now. So, and you're, you've been, you've been such an advocate for that. So, so thanks for pushing me in that way. Totally. So for the people who don't want to wait two or three years, mm-hmm. um, what can they start with right now? Yeah. I mean, you could go on, we actually did a, a teaching series on the whole heart and you could go on, uh, on our website and they'll, they'll put it in the, in the link in the show notes, but it would talk about what is the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the problem with a di- living from a divided heart? And then what does it look like to live from your whole heart? So there's actually eight, I believe, uh, teachings on that. There's a, a video from the Bible Project, which I'd highly recommend um, your listeners going to see. But it, it very quickly in the four minutes talks about the heart and how God intended us to live from our whole hearts. Um, and I mentioned a couple of books, Tim Keller is a great resource of understanding how faith and some of these things about when you said false self or looking for a life apart from God, what does that look like? So he has Galatians for you, counterfeit gods and prodigal God, which are three that I would start with. Uh, and then voices of the heart by Chip Dodd. If you're, if you're a guy listening to the show or, uh, or ladies, your husband, uh, doesn't have emotional language, or you want to teach your kids emotional language. Um, there's a great book called Voices of the Heart that just walks through emotions and and why did God give us emotions and um, how how do we live in a, in a healthy uh, way in that? So those are those are places to start for sure. I think for many people who are listening who have been almost jealous of the fact that I get to be a part of this program, definitely go listen to that sermon series mm-hmm. because it will be a great kind of a taste of what we've gone through in our church and what the discipleship program is all about and really give you a great overview. And I think understanding those questions and understanding the quadrants of the heart and how you live out wholehearted living, like what does that look like? How do you live out of your whole heart? Um it unpacks it in such a um, profound way that can really change your whole perspective. And I know for me, like in our marriage, Jesse and I, we Mm -hmm. have had a lot of conversations where we ask each other these questions or with our kids, walking them through, you know, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And what does it look like apart from, you know, in an unhealthy way? And then what would it look like to walk that out in a healthy way? But ultimately knowing that God is the one who changes our heart, but we can go to him and say, I'm struggling with this and I don't want to be living out of this. I don't want to be feeling this or thinking this, living out of that unhealthy part of my heart. God changed my heart because ultimately he's the only one who can change our heart. Yeah. Very tangibly. I think that's just real quick. There is a a thing we do with our kids uh, at the dinner table as we process their day and we process our day. And we actually have the heart drawn up there of thoughts, emotions, desires, choices broken up there. But then we have an emotions chart. There's a book by Josh Straub that just came out called What Am I Feeling? Mm. And it's this illustration. And so we will sometimes just bring that over to the table. And when they're having trouble just identifying what they're feeling, they just point to one of those faces and we help them identify that. And so it's, it does change how you interact with your kids. And, we, and we're encouraging them to not only interact with us, but interact with God around that too. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a tool that you're giving your kids to understand emotions, that emotions aren't bad mm-hmm. and to understand and connect with, this is actually what I'm feeling. And for them to be able to verbalize, I'm embarrassed by this. I'm angry by this. For them to be able to actually say that, I'm happy mm-hmm. about this. It's it's a really profound thing. And I know in our home, 
teaching our kids that and helping them to have language to be able to understand what they're feeling, I think then it's not just coming out sideways and something really unhealthy, you know, it's coming out as anger or something like Mm -hmm. that, just because they can't really pinpoint what they're feeling. So we will definitely put a link to that in the show notes. I just want to say thank you so much for being willing to come on the show. I know you have a lot going on in your life right now, and it just means a lot to me that you would do this. And also for just pouring out your life through this program to our church and how you are investing so much into this. It is changing lives in such a powerful, powerful way. And I'm just so grateful. I was so honored. And I, I love you and Jesse and and just you guys are such a gift to our church and pouring into lives as well. So it's, it's an honor to do so. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I wanted to mention that if you have any questions on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer in a future episode, or if you just have any feedback or suggestions, we love hearing from you. We love your emails and your messages every week, and they are the highlight of our week. And I always share them with Jesse. So you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 